0: Okay, uh, that may have gone on for a while. Uh, welcome back, those of you who uh, are still alive to, to Triggering Chaos's wasted potential. I am once again your beloved and charismatic host M. Joined once more again by that other guy, whoever his name is. Oh, gee, thanks. Hi, I'm Sol.
1: There we go. That's that. There's that's his name. Of course, once you blabber on, surprise, you heard me say it. Yeah.
0: You're just as guilty, man. You're just as guilty. So if you are wondering, yes, we are still continuing Final Fantasy XIV. This podcast may end up being as long as at least two patches?
1: Maybe three?
0: I don't want to say as long as an expansion, but... Anywho, uh, last we handled the jobs, the races, and various other things, and we didn't really have many problems with all that stuff. We were just setting the grounds. Now we're getting to the situation where we actually can talk about uh, ways of potential here and there.
1: But before but... that, we do have an announcement. Oh, M, you do have a shout out to make. I do. I believe so.
0: Eh, no, I don't. I don't remember off the top of my head.
1: Uh, you are part of another show. Oh, oh,
0: oh, oh, Uh, no, not M. Uh, A guy named Mitchell, I know. He's part of this wonderful group called the Jedi Dropouts. Um, If you enjoy the dulcet tones of me yammering, you can go check, uh, you know, YouTube, iTunes, or uh, Google, or more likely, Podbean, and look up uh, Jedi Dropouts, and you'll listen to me take part in various things called a sub-show called The Final Form, where I ramble about anime. Usually anime I like, in a few episodes probably an anime I don't like. Uh, The Jedi Dropouts are kind of a, well, they like to call themselves a weekly uh, weekly geekly show. Uh, We tend to to alternate between their main show, The Jedi Dropouts, which uh, I'm not part of usually. I've been part of once for a special edition. And the other week it's The Final Form. And every now and then my co-host for Final Form, Ryan, does a uh, news show. And kind of a comic review show every now and then, and the other co-host, uh, my buddy James Moss, he does some uh, Let's Plays, not Let's Plays, uh, uh, some streams of games every now and then, and he's been doing reactions to movies. I think he just did a reaction for the movie Nun, which is a horror movie about a nun.
1: Never heard of. Yeah. All Doesn't I know is I... People make a hard movie about anything these days. I'm still waiting for a, doork-
0: I'm still waiting for a movie about a do- haunted doorknob.
1: Yeah, well, that'll get around somewhere.
0: That has more potential than clowns for scaring if you ask me. Look, I want the haunted Sega Genesis. Clowns are not scary to me. Clowns are hilarious. Especially if you wear a black cow and punch them. I won't get into your fetishes. I was talking about Batman punching the Joker, but if you want to make that a fetish, I ain't going to judge you.
1: Okay, now moving on. Now we've gotten our commercial out of the way. Yes,
0: uh, as yeah, like I was trying to say, uh, we are going to continue ramble about the things we love about this game while trying to point out flaws. I imagine more love will come out than flaws. The thing about this, don't take this as we like 14 more than Mega Man X. I...
1: There's simply because this is an MMO and it's still expanding, there's a lot we kind of ramble on about. Yeah, this but
0: that's also thing is also X, because
1: this game is still currently out and going, unlike a certain other series.
0: Yeah, and fourteen has more modern design sets of creation than mid ninety ish X. And while X continued through the two thousands, it didn't really progress in its storytelling and its lore building. It just kind of
1: yeah. Uh, go see the previous t- first two episodes. You'll get the idea. Yeah, but I. I, We don't need to be going back on the tangent on that.
0: Yeah, we're only ever. The thing about this show is we're only ever going to cover things we actually both like. We may cover a thing one of us likes more than the other, but anything we cover in this show is something we at least. At least least both of us have the ground bases on. Yeah, we both care for it. Like, we're not going to do an episode about Battlestar Galactica because I don't know the first thing about Battlestar Galactica. Neither do I, actually. I just know it's a thing, it's a space epic, and it's probably better than Star Trek. But that's like saying, you know, regular Coke is better than Diet Coke in terms of taste.
1: Mm.
0: Anyway, moving on. Yeah, we're going to start with uh, Dungeons, uh, Raves, Raids,
1: Extreme um, Trials.
0: Yeah, Trials and Extreme Trials, and just the general, the meat and potatoes of our the game. Now, I've
1: got the- a couple of things to say about the Dungeons. I just can't think of a lot of their names.
0: Maybe. Uh Well, there's a wiki you can pull up for that, but I will just say there's a handful of dungeons that both of us wish to push into the flames and watch them burn. Or
1: Vale, I'm looking at
0: you, because I can't think of the other one's name. Thousand Miles of Totorak is the other one. These are both Realm Reborn dungeons. These are leveling dungeons. You do Thousand Miles in the early 20s, and or unveil in the late 40s.
1: Now, i just like to say I get the idea that they're trying to do a couple of new things, get you involved in a dungeon, have slight parallel traps. I'm fine with that. They're trying something new, and they're they're trying to keep you on your toes. I will never discredit trying something new. No, no. Because don't... that is how you get the fan base more interested into it.
0: Yeah. It's how you learn what your game is strong and how, what your game should never come back to. You have to... Unlike that little green thing from Star Wars, try. There is no do.
1: Now, the first dungeon is... I, the only real major problem I had with it is when you start going through the dungeon... Now, this is the Thousand Yams of Tatarak? Thousand Miles of Tatarak, yes. yes. Is that... What is he, about halfway through or like a third of the way through?
0: I actually don't like the dungeon at all. Well, it starts off it starts it. off it starts off with a maze. A maze that has locked doors that you need to pick up these glowing little things which are really easy to miss. You need 4 for these two doors, so that's 8 you need in total. How often do you miss these?
1: Yeah, too I often. not reminded of that that much.
0: There are branching paths that lead nowhere or take you to the exact same place that aren't nobody takes. Like there's like there's a side road nobody takes, so uh-huh for one door, and the other door you have to... Which always... Whenever I'm there with uh, new players, they always think, oh god, we missed one. No, we've got to enter the door with the lock in it and then make a hard left.
1: Yeah, that one was kind of an asinine because you go into the main room where the boss is supposed to spawn, and then you have to take a side road to get the last glowy uh, yeah, key right. item.
0: Now, that's just a pain in the ass. I don't like that. But when you beat that boss, you come to the part that me and Soul both hate. A twisting... Narrow maze that's cover maze. Covered in
1: goddamn, I don't even know what the hell is on the floor.
0: Sticky goo that makes you walk at half speed, sprint at half speed, so your sprint is now your walk. And it's covered in these explosive mines that will put poison on you.
1: Now the mines I- you can take care of real easy with a long-range attack. That's not the pro- part I have a problem with. No. But to have the entire, most of the entire floor, like there's not even a small path you can walk to keep on your normal speed. It's basically like the road is Swiss
0: cheese. There's occasionally like a hole of clean spot, but you can't even jump from clean spot to clean spot. I've tried. I've sprint jumped. You might be able to pull it off with a Dragoon's elusive jump,
1: but are you going to wait 30 seconds for elusive jump to recharge? You'd be probably actually be faster walking through it than using elusive jump. <laughs> Debatable. I certainly wouldn't... I. If
0: I cared enough about the dungeon, I would actually do a race with that. But uh, let's not and say we did, and say both ways are bullshit.
1: Yeah. See, it's more that it's it's the pacing of the dungeon just gets to a crawl at that point. This
0: is like your third or fourth dungeon. You're used. To. The first few dungeons are yeah, rush the rush the mobs, defeat the boss, get to the next rush. Ooh, loot on the way. This one is like all right, all that speed. It's gone. It's almost. I
1: found out the real reason why I dislike it because because it takes out the sense of. It ruins any sense of you wanting to explore anything. Yeah. Because you're moving at such a snail pace, exploring anything would drive you insane, in my opinion. Yeah. It's
0: worse than a lot of people who hate uh, going from Green Hills and Sonic 1 to Marble Gardens, which is immediately, ooh, fast, and then slow jumping, riding blocks across lava. It's so mood whiplashy. Now, I get it. The Thousand Moth is supposed to be an abandoned like prison or dungeon area, so it's been overrun with these spider-like things, but the goop is not spider web, it's this green stuff, and the spiders shoot white webbing, which will also, that's part of the boss, it does involve some slowing, and it's just like, I get it. The atmosphere of the dungeon is not my problem.
1: Now, if they had maybe condensed it to smaller sections and maybe you see the boss running through the dungeon spinning this stuff to try and slow you or stop you, yeah, that would be more interesting. But it, it, it takes up too much of a large section. Yeah. And if you I'm glitch- even fine with the web barriers to pop up to try and separate the party. That like, I'm even feels, fine with that. That actually feels more natural.
0: Like, literally, nat- not just natural, but it feels like, oh, right, these creatures have taken over this place. Of course they're going to make nests and webbing and try and make traps, but... There there is is lore-crafting, and then they're taking the fun away to lore-craft. And, and
1: here's the thing, like M was saying, that these are spiders. There's nothing to really indicate, besides maybe their blood, that they would even secrete this stuff. Now, it's like, what is this green goo. And I'm really hesitant I, I, to consider what the other alter- alternative of this stuff is.
0: Yeah, and if the game has told me, I have forgotten it because I just like this dungeon so much. Yeah, now, I
1: don't even remember them telling me anything about it. I just remember that, oh, hey, giant tick spiders, because that's what they look like. Like these giant like spiders... Tick they're like half thing. tick. No, no. They're like one third
0: tick, one third spider, one third scorpion with those giant tails when they grow. Well, the grow. thing that
1: had the giant tail was the larger ones. So I don't know if they develop into that or if that's. Some... They're,
0: the, they're the same creature apparently because it says.
1: Uh, well, no, I'm just saying uh, like the like the little the little yeah, little mini yeah, yeah, yeah. fight along the ones you fight dungeon don't have that tail, but yeah, the they larger grow ones do. So I, I think it's something like they, they progress, they develop it.
0: Yeah. So whatever. They're just. Hideous things, like all the bugs in this game.
1: Now, if you, when you get to the boss and it spews out in a certain areas, that's fine. That's showing lore and that he produces this stuff, and it's only in a certain section in the boss fight and doesn't stay there.
0: And even his stuff he spews out, I don't think slows you down. I think it just adds like a poison to you.
1: Well, I'm just saying, there's at least some lore building there. Yeah, that yeah. Can produce maybe the other maybe than the, the
0: yeah, whatever it is. But
1: uh <sighs> other than that, that dungeon's fine to me.
0: Yeah, the, like I said, I like the atmosphere, because when you're running through the hallways, there's occasionally little doors that lead to old cells, and you get to see the broken beds and broken things covered in the goo. Like the Skeletons. Dun- this, yeah, this dungeon has been taken back. The problem is, it's such a goddamn slog. Now, And because it's a low-level dungeon, whenever you go back and do it, the game knocks you back to like level 25, I think, is the highest level you can be in there.
1: Somewhere in the 20s, I believe.
0: Twenty-three or twenty-five is your highest level, yeah,
1: early and 20s is what, as far as I remember.
0: And oh my god, going from level seventy to like to level twenty-three is just like you, you can't know, do
1: anything. Just on a side tangent, real quick. This is the other thing I think needs to, some tw- excuse me, some tweaking. Now, like I said, I am not a programmer. I don't know jack shit about this. So hmm. if anybody wants to leave a comment telling me how hard this would be, that's fine. I'll read it and I'll try and understand it. But for the most part, I'm an idiot when it comes to this kind of stuff. But the you get this um you get the ability to go to a duty a roulette duty to go try to gain the levels. If I know where
0: you're going with this, there's a simple reason why uh, we don't have the ability to unselect certain dungeons from roulettes.
1: I'm fine with not being able to unselect certain duties, but if everybody in the party is well oh, over the that, yeah. item level for the level for this. Like, if I'm level 35, Emma's 35, and we get stuck with a level 45 character and level, like, 50. 50, there's no reason to send us back to that dungeon. Yeah, it should go by whoever is the lowest level, not just pick a dungeon
0: at random you all can do.
1: Because I, I've been level, set or uh, like, in the 60s, Emma's been, like, the 50s, our third companion's been, like, the 40s. And the other guy's like a level 70, I guess, trying to get tomes for getting yeah. more items. And we still get sent back to that dungeon.
0: And nobody likes it. I've been there with uh, the Mentor Roulette, which is an ability, which is something you go, you unlock when you've got a job, several jobs at max, your gear is near max, you've done all the content, and it's supposed to send you back, one person back, to help newbies. Four Mentors landed in 1,000 miles of Todorak.
1: Yeah, having four mentors in the same spot kind of defeats the purpose of it, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, because it's kind of randomized. And the thing is, in order to be a mentor, your job must be at max level with near-max gear.
1: You think at least in the program there'll be at least say, hey, we need at least one newbie in this group.
0: Yeah, there might be. Maybe I hit a bad coding, or maybe one person in the party I'm misremembering was the noob. But even still, I ch- I do remember no one's, item le- no one's gear was in the 20s <laughs> no one was running in with a level 20 uh pair of knuckles
1: okay yeah i guess we should explain this one uh, and then we'll get to the next dungeon is that there's two items that or there's two levels that this game ba- pretty much bases a lot of stuff on there's Direct, your character level and which, then there's your item level
0: every job has its own level which is your character level so they go from 1 to 70 right now mm-hmm. your item level is every piece of gear you have has an item level on it. so when you hit level Fifty. Your item level is usually around average of 100, 120.
1: And the, your total item level is the accumulation every item you have together.
0: Your weapon, your head, your chest, your arms, your belt, your pants, your shoes, your two rings, your two, your earrings, your necklace, and your bracelet. All those numbers added together, then divided by I think it's eleven, is your average item level.
1: Yeah, somewhere around there because it usually. I just find usually averages around somewhere what your in between your highest and your lowest items are so well, that, that's just how average,
0: seven, yeah. That's just how averages work,
1: man. Yeah. But that's generally how it is. In certain dungeons you can still meet the level requirement, but your item level is too low to actually be able to participate.
0: Mostly this is, e-
1: despite your level, you'll still get wrecked.
0: Yeah, this is done so that you are prepared for higher level content. So let's just go back for example item level doesn't matter until you hit level fifty. So let's go for example and say Sol just hit level fifty with uh, his Monk, machinist.
1: Or machinist Monk whatever.
0: whatever and he just hit there he's just he's got all of his level 49 stuff still equipped. He is more than ready to take on the very first level 50 dungeon and the very first level 50 boss, but he is not ready to take on the very last level 50 boss who was added in four or five patches later and each of the dungeons and bosses between that boss and the first boss of level 50 gave gear. Obviously this gear is going to be given will give you better stats not just cool designs. Otherwise the gear would be nothing and people wouldn't even bother doing it.
1: Indeed. Now, there are other ways of getting gear. You don't have to strictly do dungeons. There are other ways, but usually the two That's best the... gears usually come from dungeons or item quests along those lines.
0: We'll get into more of that later. That's a problem I have, but uh, it's not a major one. Yeah. We're going on to the next dungeon we both have a big problem with, which is level 50, 47 dungeon, I think, the Arum Vale. Ugh. Now, that was a Mazatotrak and Arum Vale are pretty much siblings. Only difference is. Uh, Arum Vale is a very wide room dungeon and actually fairly short. But. It, <laughs> oh, Lord, the problems with that dungeon. The
1: first problem uh, is. I'm not sure what. It's Gold Bite, it gives you?
0: Gold Lung or Gold Bite? I can't remember the exact it's name. It's Gold
1: of it. Lung. I remember. It's definitely something in organ. Yeah. But. Is that like a poison? I forget what that does. But it,
0: It's just, it, it's in lore, people would enter the arm veil and see the floor was glowing golden. They thought, oh, this place is filled with gold! Quick, gather up as much as you... Why am I dying? Oh god, my lungs are collapsing. Oh god, I've been poisoned.
1: Yeah, oh, and this stuff is all forms. over the beginning area.
0: In fact, it's through the entire dungeon. There's yeah. these... that You can step in and they don't instantly kill you but they give you a nasty bit of da- damage. The very first room is the, uh, once again I can only describe it as Swiss cheese. There's holes but these holes are poisonous. And this big wide room there's like nine or 11 random monsters that just wander about. So like a good like a good f- fight you start you pick off the first group. Well, because all these other groups are randomly roaming about, they'll enter your fight. So I've been in there once, and we had to fight everything at once.
1: Yeah. Now I will say this one: unlike Totorak, there are spots where you don't get poisoned, and you it's there is somewhat of a decent path to the boss. Yeah. So you can it, have, it, you never have
0: to step in the gold, <laughs> the gold bite, or gold lung, whatever it is. You never have to step in it once. So that's an immediate improvement. The problem is the enemies in this dungeon can go screw it. I don't. I don't. I hate them so much. From the random mobs to the bosses, there's nothing fun fight. There's no fun
1: fights. Yeah, and the other thing is that none of the enemies ever get golden lung either, but I guess it's because they live there. I guess, but it's still a pain in the ass. But
0: the very first boss you fight in there is a specialized giant plant that poisons the entire party with a special poison that your healer can't remove, and you can only remove it by eating
1: fruit on the ground. Which, Yeah, that sounds like a smart idea. Yeah, and I think that still would be even more dangerous to you because it actually grows in that place. Yeah, I, I mean, know. It stuff has to contaminate the soil.
0: Yeah, oh, uh, I know. And the thing is, the boss can keep putting more and more. I think the max you can get us, f- like, five stacks of this I poison. I never
1: let go past three.
0: No, no, I never let go past three. But the thing is, if you're in there with a bunch of terrified newbies, they're going to eat the very— fr- every time they get poisoned. they're going to eat a fruit. The fruit does grow back, but not that fast. I've been bricked so many times by a healer panicking because he can't remove the poison and he just starts eating the fruit every time he's poisoned and there's none for the tank. Because a good party will wait till they have either two or three stacks before eating, depending on how skilled your healer is. Because every time this goes up by one stack, that's doubling the poison damage every turn.
1: Yeah, I've never seen anybody go past four at the most... I
0: think I hit four once and I managed to live. Yeah, but it's still
1: not fun on that one.
0: No. So, that boss is a giant pain in the ass. Besides that, it doesn't hit for your heart, it doesn't do anything spectacular, it has a couple of attacks you can easily dodge, and it's just there. Then you get to the next boss, which should be a fun fight. It has obvious tells to its attacks, obvious dodging abilities, but no, no one ever seems to be able to dodge it. And I'm not just saying, oh, I always dodge this. No, I can rerun halfway across the room and also he does a spin attack and I'm still sent flying
1: from his spin attack. I think that's somewhere along the line with either lag or some other server issue, but I can't really po- pinpoint that one.
0: No, and it, I've never seen a party dodge every single one of his attacks. And I almost always see one person die in that fight. And it, Guilty. Sometimes it's Sol. I've died several times in that fight and Sol hasn't died once. It, it, but the thing is, it almost feels like he all of a sudden decides to, I will kill this player. But they're at full
1: HP. Don't care. Pick up. Snap. Ugh. Now, those are two examples of our, our two least favorite dungeons. Yeah. Now, the, the best way, like I said, is that unlike in Todorok, the gold stuff actually has a lore in there. It's been growing in there. Well, we don't yeah, know it's... the exact source, but it feels more natural for it to be there because that's what was found inside the caverns. And we know why people went in there because
0: they thought it was gold. And look, in a fantasy world, people are going to do just as many stupid things as in the real world to get gold.
1: Yeah, maybe some more stupid ones because now they got magic to try and help out.
0: Exactly. And maybe they just thought it was liquid gold magically created by
1: the earth. And then you also got creatures that pretty much live there and probably adapted to using this stuff as either food or a weapon or trap of some kind. Yeah. That's entirely fine. It,
0: it makes some amount of sense. I mean, creatures in our world live in some weird and harsh environments. Like yeah, a, and
1: then use the environment to try and trap things. It's
0: There's a bacteria that lives in boiling acid.
1: Kind of seems like bad renovation expe- expectations there.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, the bacteria thrives. Eh. apparently it also thrives when you take it out of the boiling acid so it doesn't just need the boiling acid to live and all I can think of that must be really fucking hard to kill
1: yeah. and then you find out it does terribly in the cold actually I think it
0: does or if you add a single bit of like a basic substance to it it instantly dies
1: yeah but <laughs> but yeah, on. the thing about it is that there are two dungeons that I really love
0: well one's, one, one's more one of is fight. an
1: instance and the other one is a dungeon
0: No, not an instance, a trial.
1: A trial, I'm sorry.
0: Trials are what this game calls boss fights. Just every dungeon has one to three boss fights. Uh, Trials are just one big boss. Well, okay, one boss. Sometimes they're actually your sized. Those ones are really easy. Yeah. But there's one trial soul never shuts the hell off about and he's always really happy to get there unless he gets there with incredibly bad players. (laughs) And that is the Steps of Fate.
1: Oh. This is
0: a wonderfully designed fight that I, apparently back in the day when it first came out, it was hated by everyone because it was super, super hard. And small tangent, uh, apparently one time our free company, our guild, decided to kick its ass. So they made an eight-man party of all DPS and just went in and just slew this boss really goddamn it fast. It was glorious. Because it's a level 50 boss. We went in as level 60s with near almost all of us had perfect level 60 gear, which is what I mean by perfect, Is we almost had all the best level 60 stuff for the end of Heavensward, and it was so much fun.
1: Basically, you're set on this bridge leading to Ishgard. This is this long, gigantic bridge as the main way to Ishgard. It's the only way to Ishgard. Yes. And coming across is quite possibly the biggest... Well, it's not the biggest dragon, but this huge dragon that could... pretty much step on you and squash you it's at
0: least the size of a city block I'd want to say
1: yeah it's at least one of the biggest dragons in game that I've seen we fight but we, that it's we fight like, yeah and we fight the whole dragon not like just a part of it we, know, we fight this whole dragon and he and is the, stomping across this bridge to get to Ishgard granted he walked like your grandpa with two broken hips and he can't he, find his walker yeah you, you kind but of br- raise the, the question why he just didn't fly over to Ishgard I like to think he got tired. I like to think there's some magical barrier preventing flight. I like to think that he heard this call
0: to action, and he was like four continents away, and he just rushed there, and he didn't stop, and then he
1: got there, and he's like, Oh, crap, there's more. (laughs) But the point is, he is stomping his way to Ishgard, and there's very very little Ishgard itself could do to stop this thing. And what we mean by stomping is, if you're underneath his foot when he stomps,
0: he'll either well, apparently he was a one-hit one kill back in the day. Now he just sends you flying with, like, half your
1: HP gone. Yeah, some white mages probably still get killed from that, but yeah, if this, you're a white this, mage, what are you doing underneath this, his feet?
0: Well, the thing is, he may have just walked over. Like, the thing is, your job is to stop him from getting from the gate entrance to the actual city. If he gets to the city, it doesn't matter how much HP he has, game over.
1: Now, what makes this dungeon so much more fun to me is because it feels alive. And what I mean by this is that there are Ishgard soldiers there to help you. And they activate cannons, they help you fight the little mobs, and there's, like, Cannons that you can activate as a character to help you fight the dragons, and there's also these floating crystals that acts as chains to further slow down the giant dragon. It feels like there's an actual bridge that people work on, they live on, they have defenses. It's an actual. They've trained for environment. this.
0: Like, yeah, they've trained for this, and the thing is, not only do you have to fight this one boss. But it's a horde invasion. Every now and then additional dragons will jump the bridge and the Ishgardian knights will, they seem to stop fighting the big dragon and start going for the little ones instead because they realize, hey, we've got this group of advanced, you know, highly skilled mercenaries to help us. Let's give them some protection by taking care of the stragglers.
1: And they slow them down and then you can do help do damage. Like they're not, there's no way in how they're ever going to take any of these things down on their own unless there's like five of them on one, but they slow them down. They give you a chance to do damage. They give the tanks to breathe so they can focus on other things.
0: They, they group the enemies. They tend to group the enemies together, leading the guys with the cannons a perfect shot to hit five of these enemies at once.
1: And the black mages get group attacks so they can do more damage to the enemies' parties.
0: It, and if you're ever in a situation where he gets really damn close to the, to the end and you're so close to beating him, but he's so close to winning, that stress feels so real. And it's just such a good, well designed idea. I can imagine it being a pain in the ass back when we didn't have the best gear.
1: Now, this is also one of the things that, as Em brought out, when he gets to the end there, it's over. And this is brings me to another thing, is rage from the bosses. Now, this one is it's, it's an actual time yeah, base. there's a mechanic slow down.
0: in trials, there's a mechanic called the enrage. Every time you start a tr- any dungeon, any trial, anything in this game, like that's party content, they give
1: you 90 minutes, pretty much, to do this content. Maybe that longer depending upon the boss fight, but that's that, the, the, the situation. Yeah, they
0: give you a talent for the simple reason of they don't want you to play this game nonstop to win a fight with War of Attrition, rather than you know stopping every now and then to have an outside life, you know, so you don't end up peeing in bottles. So because you, you don't want to stop playing the game. <laughs> so, but the problem with this is this is a wonderful idea, but then they decide to add a. a Mechanic called Enrages. Let's just say me and soul are part of an eight-man party, and we are fighting this brand new boss. We're still learning the mechanics, we're still learning how to dodge it, we're still learning the best times to attack, the best times to dodge. And we've been fighting for 11 minutes. The fight still says 50 minutes left because we died a few times before. but the, we've been fighting this round has been going for 11 minutes. Come the 12-minute mark. The boss just starts spamming its ultimate attack just spamming and spamming and spamming and party's dead redo yeah
1: the rage rage is pretty much an aoe attack that covers the entire area and you just continuous damage that there's no way anyone can survive
0: nope you're just dead doesn't matter if you use your uh level three tank limit limit break nope doesn't count doesn't matter if you use walking dead or hollowed ground or home gang nope your tank still dies it overrides the tank's invincibility And you have to start the fight all over again with this enrage counter reset to zero. There are like four times I can think of where the enrage makes lore sense. The rest of the time, it just feels like the boss got tired of us and decides, all right, I'm actually going to start fighting now. Kill, 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 kill. My job's now, done. if
1: there was maybe some other way of warning us that this was coming up, I might not be so irritant to yeah. it. Like, maybe a second timer for each boss. Like, there's the first timer to complete the entire dungeon. Yep. And then when you get to the second boss, there's a second timer to say he's powering up for his ultimate attack. But some Which, bosses do have one of those.
0: But that, those attacks are usually either survivable or preventable. This one just happens. No rhyme, no reason. When there is a rhyme or reason, I'm okay with it. Example being this giant dragon getting to the end of the 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 castle. That makes sense. We are defending this place. I'm fine with that. Uh, Another one is uh, there's a boss called Bismarck. You're on a tiny little floating platform, and Bismarck is trying to destroy slash eat this island.
1: And he's also knocking chunks off before he eats it.
0: Yes, so technically, that's not really an enrage. That's just an uh, additional time, additional protection mechanic. But it could still kind of feel like an enrage. But either way, that still makes some sense. Why the timer doesn't matter? You have another timer to worry about. Very rarely does it make any sense. Uh, one of the worst examples is. Uh, a lake Well, I'm going to spoil this. There's a boss called Nidhog. You fight in a dungeon. A fate, <laughs> you fight this one in what's called the final steps of fate, where you fight on the exact same bridge you did the steps of fate. Only Nidhogg has pretty much destroyed the bridge. Nidhogg hates you. I mean, downright hates yeah. you. Yeah. He is screaming bloody murder. He is calling for vengeance. He started another god. De- He's the reason why the war's been going for a thousand years. At this point, all he can think about is destroying you. Why is he have an enrage? He's already enraged. Why would he stop pulling his
1: punches? Now, there's a huge story with Nidhogg, his father, his brother, Ishgard. His sister. There's, It's a very good lore if you people want to go look it up or even get involved in the game. I highly recommend it.
0: Yeah, but my biggest problem is why would he hold back?
1: Well, there might be, I don't want to go into spoilers, but Astinian might have something to do with that.
0: Yeah, I suppose, but at the same time, Astinian's not really doing anything to stopping you, so. It still feels like a really cheesy example, like, <sighs> he tore his brother apart in a sense. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think rational caring is anything left in Nidhogg. I don't think, you know, someone whispering, hey, let's hold back against these people I like.
1: I don't think that would work. No, but let's stop there before we get into too many spoilers for that. Yeah, because... but, but you agree that he
0: is probably one of the worst examples of an enrage.
1: I I agree that there's some point for discussion on that, but I, I don't really want to get into it because I don't want to do too much of a spoiler on that. Yeah, but... Despite people being able to look it up, but you can look it up or play it and come up with your own opinion on that one.
0: Yeah, but still, I'm trying to save examples of enrages that made sense, and... There's just such a bad idea The problem idea. with
1: Enrage is that there's no real you, you have no idea when it could happen Because the timer's based on the, the entire dungeon No, no, there's,
0: I don't think Enrage happen for dungeons, they only happen for trials
1: Well, I'm just saying Regardless of trials, dungeons, whatever There's only one timer, and that's for the entire event Not to when he yeah. rages Yeah. So regardless of where it happens You have no clue when or where it could happen Most of the time
0: like I said, example, 12-minute mark he enrages, but does that include when he's off-screen doing special attacks? Is, does that keep his encounter clock going? Is it 12 minutes? Does it just does it just appear to be 12 minutes? Because when you start in, the game says you have 120 minutes or, 100, or 90 minutes to defeat the boss, and it, keeps, it just keeps counting down. Does the countdown for the duty affect his enrage counter? How about how many times you die? Does that affect the enraged counter?
1: I mean, uh, in, in my opinion, if there was some sort of clue when you knew that there was no way you were going to finish up before it, so you could just let him do it and just get, get to the next one and do it faster and better... Yeah. I might feel less inclined to be irritant towards it, but you need something better of a clue to let you know that, hey, you need to step it up, increase DPS, do this, something to give you some clue that this is coming.
0: Yeah, or... I don't even. I don't. Uh, the thing is, I, my, my major problem is why is it there? We've already got a big timer for this for this fight. Do you not want people to be chip damaged in it? Do you think they will not be satisfied by, you know, being the boss in. The, the boss takes. The, you, the duty lasts 90 minutes, and they beat it in 89.95. Do you think they won't enjoy that?
1: Yeah. Now, we should be stepping on, but that's one great about this. My second favorite dungeon. Is in the new content. Well, not it's not really new anymore, but it's, it was part of Heaven Sword. This is the grand conjuncture of bringing together. Stormblood, the... you mean? Stormblood, I'm okay. sorry. Bringing together the, the four nations, Ishgard, Udal, Limsa, and Gridania, along with Doma and what's left of the Alamegan resistance. To this yep. grand final dungeon of your fading the Empire to get them out of the country. Yep. you
0: The dungeon is called Alamigo. It's when you actually re- save Alamigo from Imperial Control. And this one is just filled with background Easter eggs, background visuals that are just a sight to behold. Because especially if you care about these characters, like if you play this game and don't care about the lore, don't care about the characters, you're just here for the content, and you're just here for the fights, that's fine me and Soul, when we saw there's one Ishgardian knight who starts a fight up, in the, up up above us while we're fighting a bunch of mobs, and he's attacking a cannoneer who was bombarding us, and he keeps saying above his head, Ishgard remembers the warrior of light. And he kills this this imperial guard, takes the cannon, blows up a gate so we can keep going, and he just wishes us luck. And I'm like... What did we do to this one guardian knight that he's willing to go solo on this clearly higher ranked imperial to say to not only help us but to make our job easier?
1: Not only that, as you progress, you see other people that you have helped, soldiers that follow in line with you wanting to free this kingdom. They you see them fighting this so that you don't have to fight every single person on the way to this final boss encounter with the at the time the main villain
0: you see the leaders of these nations that are combat ready. There's obviously leaders who aren't combat ready, but you see Sir Emmerich, the head of the Istiardian Knights.
1: Ruban, the head of the Odal um, M- Military. The, military. The,
0: the Flames. I forget what they're called. The flames. the flames. Yeah. You also see his son, a uh, Grand Marshal of the Flames. You see uh, Hien, the... Prince, now Lord of Doma, dueling guards. He just came – He's not. he has no connection to Alameo. He has no connection to the We just helped him, and his immediate
1: response is, I'm going to go help my friends, and just rushes into another war. And gets to kick the ass of the person who pretty much took over his yeah. country. It's you just glorious. If you
0: stop, you can just see this constant fight all around you of various people doing it. And not only that, it's not just that one Ishgardian knight. There are several members of the flames and the storms that blow up gates, so we can pass through. How they got behind these gates,
1: I don't. I want to know. No, I know it sounds weird to say that this dungeon feels alive with all this war and death going on, but it's the interaction, the people, everything, uh, storytelling instead of a dungeon that really makes this come out and really shine to me. The Many of them have of even this random shit that goes on, yeah. like the guide, the cannon seeing other people you've helped along the way, this a little accumulation sp- yeah. of emotion from these people that... Many of them have
0: these tiny little speech bubbles that just say, like, a one-liner, like, Ishgard remembers the warrior light. That's a speech bubble above that knight's above head. There are other ones like that, but that's the one that sticks with me forever because I loved Ishgard so much, and to, re- to see this one knight, where is this platoon? Yeah, that is actually a good question. <laughs> Did they all die? Did he break off from the platoon and saw a chance to help us? Why is he so desperate to help us? What did we do for him? Like he's this no-name knight who is willing to die for our cause. Because has no ties to Alamigo. They just rejoined the alliance, and the alliance is like, we should probably, you know, stop that their empire there. I mean,
1: the reason the alliance is here is pretty much to kind of counter invade the empire. Yeah, so they but... kind of make sense here as a, the the original three. But Ishgard Isch- uh, has so little reason because they
0: literally just rejoined the Alliance. They've been fighting a war for a thousand years. Which gives them good practice for it. Yeah, they're clearly the, probably the most trained army there th- to come. But you'd think that the, with the Thousand Year War over, the Ishgardians would be like, yeah, let's throw down our spears. We
1: need a break. No, they turn around and go, yeah, let's help the warrior of light. Ah. Actually, it's kind of funny that the dragons never got involved in this fight at this point. And they're they're the ones who, need, who took the side to take the break. Yeah, fair enough. They are longer lived.
0: Yeah, I've but literally. Been it fighting. would have been
1: a lot funnier to see that drag one or two dragons just come and fly over, just breathe fire in the streets, and just leave. Yeah, just one
0: lands. Looks at the looks at a platoon commander of the Empire. For the F gets beaten. It's <laughs> <laughs> second command throws down his weapon. I quit.
1: <laughs> Nobody told me I'd be fighting dragons. Oneish guardy in the background. What <laughs> and he's holding a spear and he was in dragoon training. Yeah. Was. <laughs> I've been waiting for centuries. <laughs> I fought that dragon fifteen times before I was ten. How you doing? Hey But yeah, if you're curious about that, there's that's all part of Lord of Ishgard. Go check that out. That's it it's awesome. Yeah. Look so- every part of this. Game has lore that ties it all together, and it's a glorious thing they've managed to pull off.
0: Yeah, uh, one of the other dungeons with the two of us absolutely love is the newest dungeon, uh, Shu Shui of the Violent Tides. That's the one with the Song Wukan like monster. Oh
1: yes, yes, yes. I'm so used to doing the Lighthouse raid at this point, it kind of, yeah. kind of went over my head.
0: Yeah, but yeah, that's the dungeon we just got for the four man content. And like I said, you fight a boss, and it's based off Song Wukan, Who, if you don't know who that is, Think a more monkey version of Goku and then go read Journey to the West, you uncultured spine.
1: Yeah. Now, here's the thing. This is actually just one of those interesting things. This I think this is like our second or third time going through the dungeon, so we got a chance to really look around. Yeah. And we saw these things we thought were crystals that were sticking out of the side of the mountain. Well, our third companion that we play with realized that, hey, there are trees on top of these things. I think they're roots. And we take another look at like Oh my god, that makes so much more sense, and it it is the roots of the trees just sticking out of these huge mountains, and it just makes for this stunning visual to this mountain view,
0: The view from the top of the uh, the violent tides is gorgeous. These tall, skinny mountains with trees and massive roots, and the clouds beneath you. You can see more mountains poking out here and there, and you're just like, god damn, I want to have a picnic
1: here yeah i I know I said it before but my favorite visual just for just looks is the crash ship and um yeah in the in, in the in the lake that is just an amazing view but the yeah. game is so full of these both in dungeons out of dungeons raids like even some of just the the, the trials have some amazing oh, art yes. style to them um when you fight the boss of Shiva
0: it's Shiva's an ice god. You fight her in this frozen amphitheater. This, this, this—you're in the circle of the amphitheater, and all around you are these high-rise seats that go higher and higher, like a theater would. They're coated in ice, and it's ancient, and it's just like this is stunning.
1: And it's just the, even the music plays well into each of these roles. The music is well selected. Yeah, to give this even some of those more mundane scenarios, just a feeling of emphasis to you. When,
0: the, uh, going, going back to Shiva real quick, the music that starts that fight is such a somber song, and because she floats around like she's ice skating, it feels like you're in the middle of a figure skating battle. And then she gets pissed. And then the
1: song turns into this really good rock pop rock song. And... It's just glorious to watch all this play out together. Sometimes you just even let them just do it. Because you know, the high, back to back higher level, just to watch them do this, just enjoy it. Yeah, sometimes
0: I turn off all effects besides the boss and just watch the boss's ultimate attack. There's one boss who lifts the entire party up, freezes them in this giant snowflake. The camera zooms up to see the snowflake.
1: The boss... Flies through with a flaming lance. Oh, God. And you're just like, that was metal. And the fun thing with she is that when once we got to high enough item level where the three of us could do it ourselves just for laughs, she freezes you. Well, we all the time when she's about to freeze is trying to get into all these sort of interesting poses doing attacks just yeah. to see what can happen. And it's little things like that that add more... Fun to it, like we ignored Ramu and took a picture, and we're just picturing what must he be thinking watching these three people completely ignore him. Hello, I'm shooting lightning at you. Yeah, I'll right. yeah, we'll get to you in a moment. Can we? Can we like live in your beard? No, oh, I've already got a family of squirrels in there. Well, nuts to that. Uh, now, but, let's move on, because we'll, we'll be going on forever for that. But the, the yeah. point is that one of the other things that Square Enix does right about this, I think, is part of that, is that they listen to the feedback. Yeah. Square Enix... A good example,
0: actually, is recently uh, for the raids. These are three eight-man parties, or 24-man party. They, for some reason, decided uh, last patch to, okay, you can no longer... Uh, win the high roll automatically if your job is for this item. Instead, everyone must greed. Nobody liked that idea. Nobody. So, they said, okay, next quick fix, we're fixing that. That was not part of the, the next quick fix was to fix two or three other small things. They tacked in, removed that ability so people can now gamble on items like they used to, because everyone preferred that. Didn't, that for other games, that would have been like four or five months to fix. They were like, whoops, we made
1: a mistake. Fans don't like it. Undo. And they now obviously they, I know at some point they can't please everyone, so they're going to, have to take the majority over the minority. That's just how it's going to work because they're trying to. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, don't they? wrong with? They're trying to make a business out of this. They need to make yeah. money out of it so they continue the game going and still make a profit out of it.
0: But so, I've never seen them once since the rebirth of Final Fantasy fourteen make a mistake and not own up to it in some way.
1: Now this is quite true because the other thing about this is. Um, KG in Inov- no, it's not. Um, trying to think of the guy, the main guy's name. Yoshi P. Um, Yoshi P. Thank you. He even admits when there's a major screw up in his game, says Oops, we screwed up. We can't fix it immediately right now without shutting everything down. But we'll make plans in the next pa- couple of patches to fix this and try and make it more enjoyable for everyone. Yeah. Now this uh, being well- an online game, that's the appropriate response I feel because you're respecting everyone playing the game right now. And you're not just going to immediately shut off the game to fix a, a small minor thing. Yeah. But you're also listening to the major fan base saying, hey, listen, next patch, which is scheduled for, like, Monday nights in the Tuesday morning, depending on how long it'll go, yeah. things get fixed. Yep. Like, the one thing I got fixed was my Dark Knight, which I discussed in the first one, that we got to boost our potency to be better tanks. And some other minor touches here and there. Now, you would think that all complaints would be about glitches and that the glitches would have to be removed. Not so in the case of getting a house, which is funny enough. (sighs) Yeah. Now, once you acquire enough money and you find an open plot in certain special areas...
0: There's a couple other conditions you have to do before you get housing. But but those are the two two major ones.
1: You can buy a house. Now, they come in in three three sizes. sizes. Small, medium, large. We currently have a small... Which we use as a bar. Yeah. I have a. We have a medium which we use at our main house. Yep. And you can decorate these with a vast majority of items. Some you hey. craft, some you find. Do you like your house to look like a plain old house on the street? No. How about you design your house to look like a giant Moogle head?
0: You can do that. <laughs> I don't know why you would, but you could. My house, like, my bar looks like a giant book. And has carnival theme around it because like carnivals.
1: Yeah, and once you go inside, there's you can you have both inside and outdoor decorations, and you, you like I said, M made his into a bar, and he's got an upstairs that kind of looks like a grand en- like an entranceway. You can check your code in, a
0: little cafeteria, like a little c- catering there, and then
1: downstairs is just the full outside bar with tables, a bar counter, wa- uh, maids, um, uh, a waiter Couple- I guess it would be a bouncer I think.
0: Yeah, a, game, a single gambling machine and a desk for playing the card game of the game, Triple Triad. And I tried to make it look like it was lived in, like an actual bar you might go into for a good drink. The house the, two of, the, the three of us own, it looks like a house. We've got a couple bedrooms downstairs. We've got a dining and kitchen area on the main floor. And upstairs we've made it into this fancy-looking study. Like, you would expect a bunch of adventurers to, you know... Oh, these monsters we fight are often based off gods. Well, we should get some lore about local gods and whatnot. And here's this wall of books we have now.
1: Now, here's the funny thing, and this has occurred to me when you mentioned lived in. Now, like I said, don't know anything about program, but if there was like a a slider or some sort of gauge for an item to make it look like it was worn, scratched up a bit. They've added in items like dirty laundry baskets,
0: a laundry basket full of dirty clothes. Why? That has no game logic. Well, they did it to make
1: the house look lived in. You put- just, this house isn't part of any main game. You can go the entire game not even have to give a care about this. I have a handful of friends that think the houses are the greatest money sink. And they're not wrong. And here's the reason why. that you can, There are ways that you can place items that was never intended and glitches the game. But it doesn't break the game to the point that it has to be shut down. Yeah. And a, Yoshi a, P realized this, and people are saying, look, as long as it doesn't break the game and you're not intruding onto other people's things, have fun. Do yeah. what you can. Send me pictures. I love this shit. There's a glitch where you, you you can get a giant
0: aquarium. Like, this is big enough to hit four or five people in. You can glitch it so it's stuck on the ceiling. A friend of mine has a little, in his house, has a little dining area, like this nice little you know, tea set underneath this massive aquarium, which...
1: That is so cool! I also raises raise this question how you feed the fish, but... and eh, magic. Yeah, I was going to say, magic.
0: Or some sort of automated fish feeder which you just load from the bottom and it just cranes it up to the top.
1: Yeah. But it's things like that. It's like, if you can figure out how to do that and you can get a there, you're set. You don't have to worry about the game developers fixing that.
0: Unless they, they fix something else unrelated and it breaks yeah, that. It breaks and what they do, they, t- say- they tend to warn people ahead of time.
1: But if you're not, like I said, if you're not breaking the game in your house and you're not intruding into someone else's house somehow, I don't know how you would, but it's just... Some
0: items items clip
1: weirdly. Yeah. But as long as you're not pretty much invading other people's property and you're not breaking their game, you can position this however you want if you can figure out how to do it. I've seen
0: some people make an additional floor for their house. The floor is obviously very, very tiny. Barely enough room to rock around in, but they still did it. Now that makes me have an idea for a storage attic. That's basically what people make it into. They make it into a storage attic. Or, like, they throw down, like, the uh, the Tommy bed from uh, Doma. Just ah. a, and make that, like, a tiny little sleeping nook. And I'm like, that looks absolutely adorable. It's also not that tiny if you're Lollifels.
1: A lot of things are on tiny Lollifels, but I digress.
0: Yeah. But that, that's actually pretty clever. You know, give the Lollifels their own floor so they can finally touch the ceiling.
1: Now, here's the thing. We talked about the dungeons and what makes it feel alive to us. And that's because we have development with the side characters. Oh, yeah. Now, my first main side character I got involved with was Ruban. Because no, no. he is in charge of defending the Sultanas.
0: Yeah, Sultanas? the leader of the Sultana. The yeah. leader. Oh. What do you know? I just opened the book up and I got to uh, the Uldal the page. Uh, one. 135, I think, is what you want. 135 or 36.
1: No, he is a very military man, essentially. He is also from Alamiga. Yep. 131. Yeah. And he... You get to know him, and he is supportive of your cause to try and get the three city-states back together in their alliance, because while they're not at war, time kind of progressed, and they kind of fell out with each other in a sort of way. Yeah, obviously
0: he wants his homeland safe, but he's made a new home in Udall. He's also he's, made a
1: promise to a
0: Yeah, and their relationship's absolutely adorable, and he's also adopted a son. Who,
1: yeah, he's awesome too. When you,
0: when you find out the story of why Pippin's his son, all you can think is, my god, Robon, your heart is bigger than your muscles.
1: And he also loses an arm helping you, which kind well, of I'm, makes you feel indebted to the bastard.
0: Well, he loses it more for doing his job and getting pissed off at somebody else, but it is also immediately our fault in a sense. Not really, he didn't have to for us, but still, I did not
1: poison that person.
0: No, we did not, and he believes us, so he gets mad at the clearly evil culprits. Yeah, <laughs> the dude, long
1: story into that one.
0: The dude is a berserker in a sense, but he's not stupid. He's he's a grand general for a reason. Yeah, and. Tough and smart. Not a genius, but um, smart enough to realize, hmm, those guys are pretty much mustache
1: twirling. No one Should I, I believe the person who's helped my country multiple times at great risk for no reward and has proven themselves to be a friend to me and a person I'm sworn to protect or the twirly evil mustache twirlers that I don't like? Who Which should always, I believe? Who have always been backstabbing. Hmm, this seems like a tough choice. If I was always besides myself! Ah! And yeah. he even goes into a point of great, huge depression afterwards because of a lot of things that happened.
0: But and the scene it, where he gets reunited with the person he's supposed to protect is just heartwarming. It, this giant man pretty much cries. And all he can say to her is, it's time to wake up.
1: And then you get to liberate his... Uh, um. Homeland. Homeland. And he is so beside himself with what he should be doing.
0: Should I stick with my promise to protect the Sultana? Should or I sp- stick with my homeland and protect it and help it grow into what I know it can become? And we're I
1: not gonna tell you what happens, but but spoiler here, it works out.
0: It works out. It's and it's such a good workout, And all all we can do is just smile at People, not just him, having character off, but the people around him having character. There's around.
1: even a very good one with the Sultanas about her trying to help the people of Alamigo get back on their feet.
0: And the advice he's given is actual advice. Now, the just...
1: first person you go to advice—I don't mind saying—talking about this part is you uh, go to the owner of Gold Saucer.
0: This is the this second. This is rec- one of the
1: most eccentric men I have ever met. He is like the
0: second. He's basically. To Tony Stark next to Batman. He's
1: friggin' rich, but nowhere near Bruce Wayne rich. <laughs> but he had he's eccentric, but he's not
0: Crazy Crazy.
1: Okay. And maybe a little crazy. Okay, yeah. Uh, his but son not does in terms of making money. No.
0: But he also wears his heart on a sleeve. This character runs the Christmas orphanages. Every Chris, every Christmas in game, he goes around to every orphanage and just gives them gifts because it's the season of
1: gift giving to children in orphanages. The man hires trained bears to deliver gifts. That and pretty much be cheap. the main advice that he gives to Sultanas is that just helping the other country is not going to be good for Udal or them in the long run. So he, I believe, he proposes a business transaction with uh, yeah, the yeah other country for their salt, because salt is very hard to come by in the desert. Well, no, I,
0: I, another character proposes the salt. He proposes just oh, yeah, finding some way that will help both nations so that everyone appears happy, but you can make it a deal that more benefits one side or the other.
1: And he doesn't say uh, t- make it so that you make the most money. He's saying that in order for both to survive, it has to be a mutual grandstanding. Yeah, He won't can't... say what, because he can't think of one on top of his head. I mean, he He's he doesn't smart. know the area that well, but he does understand that a business has to work on both ends in order to succeed. Which, yeah, that's good advice. And so she takes advice and goes to the person she hates the most—the richest guy in the world. Yeah, the and guy, she boy. kind of plays with him at first at the at, at the first moment, and it kind of goes into him talking he, deals.
0: All basically, all like all, all this the, what we're trying to get across is she goes from being a pretty naive. Ruler who's basically a puppet to playing their game and playing and succeeding. It well. Yeah, I wouldn't say she came in on top, but she played it to the point where even the people who think that she's a fool have to nod their head and go,
1: Okay. But this also opened up to the path that she is learning and she is learning quite quickly and well, yep, which puts other people on their toes. Yep, which is good. The character
0: I first really got an establishment with is. Uh, Yashtola of the Scions of the Seventh Dawn. The Scions are a faction uh, related to the Alliance. They're basically just the guys that will, hey, while the Alliance is dealing with the Gordania, with the with the uh, Garlemont Empire, we're gonna be the ones that try and solve other problems. The, you know, the problems that are world-ending but don't require a military to fix.
1: Yeah, they primarily deal with the primals and th- problems with Etherflow and other beast tribes. Yeah, like they, they the realize that the empire is a huge issue. Don't get me wrong; they're not comp- they're not ducking their heads on that issue.
0: No, they're often butting heads with the empire constantly. But the character I first really got attached to is her name is Yastola. She is the white mage, uh, the sassy Makote of the uh, Science She's quick with quick witted, very smart, and just I found really enjoyable. And because I started in Limsa, Sol didn't get the same introduction to Yastola as I did. I didn't get the same introduction to Robana sold it because he started in Evil doll and we got a very different. That's one of the other things I like. Depending on what city you get, you do meet different characters earlier than others. You meet all the characters pretty much.
1: Yeah. You, you meet them all at one point, like a f- good portion through the, like up to level 50 and then it kind of all starts merging together. So you meet everybody. Yeah.
0: And Yashtola is one of the ones I love because she gets up in the face of the Grand Admiral of Limsa and basically just says, "You got The reason why the Beastmen are so pissed off is you broke the treaty with them. Yeah, showing, th- up, showing up with more guns is not going to solve this problem. But the Admiral responds, I've got no choice but to. We need the land after this happened or my people would have died. So we'll defend what we've taken because we needed it, but it was theirs. Yes, but we needed it. It was not a thing of, oh, we wanted it. No, we needed more territory at the time. If they, And we have to defend it now. Neither one of them is really right. One of them's in more moral gray ground, but she clearly doesn't like being in that gray ground. She wants to be right, but she knows she's not 100% right about this. And Yastola is right to point out there's a problem, but she's also wrong to point out that, you know, laying down your weapons won't satisfy them. They'll probably want vengeance, and not just that land back, but how do you like us taking part of
1: your land? Now, we've been going on for about an hour. I'm going to say we can cut off this session here. And the next session, we're going to talk about, we're going to discuss the last couple of things we want to fix. And...
0: One thing we both We
1: hope to bring into the future content. New classes, new jobs, new abilities. And my God, the biggest things problems we have with this game at, at this point. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we come to the end and conclusion of our Final Fantasy fourteen Wasted Potential Part two. M, do you have any closing words you would like to say? God damn, do we ramble
0: on forever. It's almost like we like this game or something.